Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, teach us to pray. Prayer is a gift from God. It's a gift because there is nothing in us as fallen and sinful people that makes us worthy to approach the throne of God in prayer. And there is no reason why God should lend his ear to us and listen to us. And yet, he bids us to come to him in prayer and has promised to hear us and answer. What else is this than pure grace, pure gift? Yes, prayer is a gift from God. But do we think of it that way? Or do we disregard it? Not praying as we should, putting it off, doubting its worth, or maybe even being bored and disenchanted with it. Do we really have more <laughs> important things to do? Remember, it was Martin Luther who said, I have so much to do today that I'll spend the first three hours in prayer. What a wonderful thing it is that even though we offer so little appreciation for the things of God, that he still calls us to come to him in prayer and promises to hear us and to answer us. Again, this is pure grace, pure gift. But how do we pray? That's an important question because prayer is not natural for fallen, sinful people like you and me. It doesn't just rise up spontaneously from the rebellious heart. In fact, the sin in our hearts makes us want to be independent, not dependent. To help ourselves and not to ask for help. And so we must learn to pray. That's why books on prayer and books of prayer are consistently among the best-selling Christian books. We need to pray, but we don't know how to pray. Or how many of you have thought, at least at one time or another, if prayer is supposed to be so easy, why is it so hard? You know, as a pastor, there's things that, that people say to pastors that just make us happy. Things like, uh, Pastor, I need to talk to you about scheduling a baptism. Or, Pastor, my family has started doing daily devotions and, and prayers, and it's been a tremendous blessing to us. Or, Pastor, that sermon was too short. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. <laughs> but think of how Jesus must have felt when he heard his disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. How sweet those words must have sounded to Jesus. His disciples were learning. They were learning how much they really didn't know. How much they needed to be taught. How great their need was. And so Jesus eagerly teaches them. Giving them two things that they need to pray. Those two things are, number one, 
the word of God, and number two, the promise of God. Notice that Jesus does not direct his apostles or us to our hearts as the basis for prayer. Because he knows the struggles that are going on there in our hearts. The struggles of doubts and fears, of sin and death. The very things that keep us from praying as we ought. And so instead, Jesus gives us what we truly need. The gift of prayer. He gives us the words, and he gives us the promise that our prayers will be both heard and answered by our dear Father in heaven. And so, Jesus teaches us something very important about the Christian life and our life of prayer. That Christians walk into the future by walking backwards. We see what lies ahead by looking back to the past. Because looking back into the word of God and the history of his people, we see the faithfulness of God. We see the goodness of God. We see his work and forgiveness, his leading and guiding, his judgment and restoration. We see his strength and love, his promises kept, his abundant patience and mercy. We see his constant care and protection to his people of every single generation. And so looking back, we walk forward by faith, born of God's word, knowing that what we see in the past is what awaits us in the future. For our God does not change. Hebrews 13.8 tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. His promises to us do not change. We also today have the example of Abraham. He prays in faith, walking to the future by looking to the past. He knows that God is merciful and gracious. For the God who spared eight righteous persons in the ark and did not destroy them with the wicked in the flood will not now destroy the righteous with the wicked in Sodom and Gomorrah. And the God who just promised Abraham a son within a year and that he would make him the father of many nations would not now turn a deaf ear to him. So Abraham is bold to pray. For his prayer is not based on himself. It's not based on his heart. But it's based in the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And God is not tired of hearing such prayers. But he graciously listens, not chiding him or rebuking Abraham for his bartering, but rather rejoicing in his faith. For God never tires of hearing the prayers of his children. And yet here perhaps is where we fail and why we struggle with our prayers. For rather than walking into the future by looking to the past, we turn around and try to walk by sight instead of by faith. And when we do that, there are two things that happen. First, we take our eyes off of the faithfulness and goodness of God, and thus off of the source of our faith and its strength. And second, we put our eyes instead on the future that we can't really see, 
which is uncertain and unsure at best, and often downright scary. For we see how miserable and perilous life here in this world is. Or as Luther described it, using the petitions of the Lord's Prayer, saying it is a world of nothing but blasphemy of God's name, disobedience to his will, rejection of his kingdom, a hungry land without bread, an existence full of sin, a precarious sojourn, and an abandoning and an abounding in every evil. And as we face and, and look at such a future, should we then be surprised that our prayers fail, our fears increase, our hearts tremble, and we're filled with that? Should we be surprised that we wonder where God is, what he is doing, and whether he loves us or not? Should we be surprised that so many are confused? But turning around and looking backwards, what do we see? We see those very same things. But we also see the faithfulness and the goodness of God in the midst of those very same things. The presence of God with his people. The promises of God made and kept. And thus, looking back, our faith is not weakened, but rather it is strengthened. Our prayers are emboldened, for they are firmly grounded in the word and promises of God. And here, we maybe have an advantage over Abraham. For while Abraham was bold to pray that God would save those cities for the sake of even ten righteous, in Jesus we see the true grace of God that does that and one better. For in Jesus we see the grace of God that saves the whole world for the sake of one righteous person, his son. For into this world of sin and death and unrighteousness, the righteous Son of God came to save all of us from sin and death. To take the fire and brimstone of Sodom and Gomorrah upon himself on the cross. That we might be spared the destruction that we most certainly deserved. And then to rise again to life that we too might have life in him. Life and a future. A future secure in the word and the promises of God. That word and promise of God was given to you. Given to you in holy baptism when you were made a child of God in the forgiveness of your sin. And so every time we pray our Father, we do so looking back in faith to that day when God became our Father. And the promises of God given to us in those waters which enable us to walk into the future strong in Him. And every time we uh, approach this very altar to eat and drink the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sin, we do so looking back in faith to the cross upon which this very body and blood hanged. And the forgiveness, life, and salvation won by Jesus on the cross is given to us here. And that enables us to walk into the future strong in him. And so, forgiven and strengthened, we can pray with confidence and faith, for our Father and our Lord knows what he's doing. 
For the deadly poison of the hellish serpent and scorpion has been taken by Jesus, who now gives us the food and drink, his food and drink, and all that we need. You know, the world will say that there is no power in prayer. And you know what? They're right. The power is in God. Prayer is our response to that power. Our confession that we absolutely trust in that power. That we don't live by sight, experience, reason, or feelings, but by faith. Faith born from every word and promise that comes from the mouth of God. And so when our lives are full and we don't have time, Lord, teach us to pray. When the demands of life have left our hearts empty and dried up, Lord, teach us to pray. When we're filled with grief and pain, Lord, teach us to pray. When we're confused, in doubt, lost, or uncertain, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven. Teach us to turn around and to know that our Father hears, for he keeps his word always. Brothers and sisters in Christ, he will provide. He will forgive. He will deliver. For we are his, now and for all eternity. Amen.